In today's lively and informative episode, Dr. Cashy delves into the connections between sugar, food, body weight, and activity. The good doctor reveals the complementary nature of these factors and challenges the notion of sugar toxicity. Or at least puts a different spin on things to get the old noodle working. Roll the intro! Hello! Hello! And welcome to ah, Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. Over the past however many lessons, it is clear that sugar has an essential role in basic metabolism. You know, things like keeping your brain up and at them. Up and at them. The previous lessons alluded to sugar's usefulness in the context of establishing and uh, fulfilling an active lifestyle. In other words, eating enough for you with decent patterns and using your body on purpose and with purpose to make a body that looks as good as it works and works as good as it looks. This will get a little deeper into that. So, eating to move, essentially, instead of moving to eat. You. All right. So here's what you're learning. You fed or overfed 2,000 people. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, some simple and practical regulation of, of body weight and activity, sugar, food, and eating. Um, you know, again, activity, food, and eating, and sugar, and body weight. Those, those, those three, those other, th the love triangle. Okay. And uh, working out versus being active. Working out versus being active. Tell TKN what, what you think makes more sense to you. Leave a comment to get where you want uh, faster, healthier, safer, and to keep it, to keep it going and working out to exercise or being active, using your body on purpose and with purpose, doing fulfilling things every day that are satisfactory to you and, and give you fulfillment and satisfaction. Comment which one you think is better for what you want because it all depends on what you want, right? That, that, that's for you. TKN's for you in that regard, okay? And this lesson gets into that very thing. And you're getting into that very thing by running one of Dr. Cash's favorite things in the world, an experiment. In this case, it is a thought experiment. Those things are great. In the first thought experiment, you feed, you feed 1,000 people normally. You feed 1,000 people normally. 500 of these people use their bodies on purpose and with purpose, okay? They're active and their normal intake matches their activity such that they maintain their body weight, okay? And then 500 of them are potted plants. However, they're still fed normally, so their body weight is still maintained as well. They're eating in accordance to their activity in that regard, okay? So 500 of them are using their bodies on purpose with purpose, 500 of them are potted plants. Which population eats more sugar than the other eats normally? Which one is more likely to spontaneously develop metabolic derangements? Sugar issues and diabetes, fat issues and dyslipidemia and fatty liver, blood pressure issues and chronic kidney disease, excessive fat deposition in the trunk. <sighs> Which population is more likely to have a more pleasing body and greater enjoyment of everyday stuff? The potted plant population or the active population if they both eat normally? Hmm? Now keep that in mind. Now take another group of a thousand people. Hmm? Feed them in excess. 
And you can get you can get gnarly and so you can feed them in excess of sugar as well. Okay, you feed them in excess. That means more than more than enough than they need so that their body weight is consistently ticking up over time. Okay, now 500 of those people are using their bodies on purpose and with purpose. 500 of those overfed people are using their bodies on purpose with purpose. So their activity is still going up, but their body weight is also still going up too. Okay. Now, the other 500 people are overfed. Again, could be overfed with sugar, except they're potted plants. So now we have these other two groups. 500 of those people are overfed with sugar, using their bodies on purpose and with purpose, and the other 500 people are using or overfed on sugar and they're potted plants. Which population eats more than the other sugar, than the other population to gain fat at the same rate? Hmm? Assuming they're both equal fatness, right? Which one? is more likely to spontaneously develop metabolic derangements, sugar issues and diabetes, fat issues and dyslipidemia and fatty liver, blood pressure issues and chronic kidney disease, excessive fat deposition in the trunk. Hmm. Which population is more likely to have a more pleasing body and greater enjoyment of everyday stuff? These answers are strikingly similar, right? Maybe even exactly the same. Puts a little bit of a different spin on the whole sugar is toxic thing, isn't it? I find that interesting. It's more like... Uh, Sugar toxicity seems to be more like couch toxicity when you look at even some basic logic. Who cares about the science part, right? <laughs> Who cares? This is just when you have it laid out in a certain way, you can kind of intuit those differences with just the basic, basic, you know, commonsensical knowledge of science, you know? So again, check out smartpeoplecomehere.com to find out a little bit more about that. Okay, in any case... Do you find it interesting that those answers are, are strikingly similar, maybe even exactly the same? Well, what does this mean? What does this mean? It means activity is an inferior avenue for fat loss and a superior avenue for metabolic health and body shape. That's what that means. The effects of body weight, food, and activity and activity are cyclical and multidirectional, and it is weighted. Okay, so again, activity is an inferior avenue for fat loss and a superior avenue for metabolic health and body shape. That means, however, that food and eating are inferior to improve metabolic health and superior to, to uh, increase fat loss. Okay, it means that food and eating is an inferior avenue for metabolic health and body shape and a superior avenue for fat loss. Well, what does that mean? Well where so many people kind of tragically put body weight and food and eating, okay? They put body weight and food and eating and activity in epic battles with each other to the death as age-old legendary adversaries. It turns out they have interdependent and co-regulatory relationships. In other words, they are complementary. People pit them against each other when they're good friends. It's kind of tragic and sad. <laughs> These are all good friends. Body weight helps to regulate activity. Hmm? Body weight helps to regulate activity and it helps to regulate food and eating. Although it does regulate activity more than food and eating as represented by the weighted arrow. Okay? Food and eating helps to regulate activity and food and eating helps to regulate body weight. However, it regulates body weight more so than it regulates activity. Although it does regulate both, the weight and the emphasis is dictated by the, by the, the depth or the weight of the arrow, okay? 
And then lastly, activity helps to regulate body weight, food, and eating, but it regulates food and eating more so than it regulates body weight. Does this start to make sense now in terms of how these things are connected to each other a little bit? In, in ad libitum settings and in controlled settings too, but in ad libitum settings mostly, where there's free living, as it were, the fancy science words, okay? By virtue of the weight, they all impact each other, and it is cyclical, okay, and it is multidirectional, but the impact is weighted. It's weighted. So do you see the complementarity of these relationships based on the weights? Based on the weights. Good. So does TCAN. Do you see the, adver the adversarial roles here? Pitting them against each other, using them to cancel each other out, reward this, punish that, X donuts, Y hours on the treadmill, or whatever other crap people do? Hmm? Good. Neither does TCAN. <laughs> Turns out sugar and fat okay, are conditional necessities to function at rest and while active. Your muscles, funny enough, are the main disposers of blood sugar, especially when active, obviously. And you know this from previous lessons, up to 95% of blood sugar. It's pretty cool. But what you're learning now is that at rest, your muscles are also the major determinant of free fat oxidation, which is also cool. This is doubly true, or accentuated rather, when, when, after, when at rest after being active. So your, your muscles will start consuming more fat even when you're resting after activity. So check out Dr. Saltine's literature uh, in the Journal of Physiology back in 2002 if you want to learn more about that stuff specifically. The point is, as activity goes up, nutrient requirements also go up. Your muscles start using the sugar stored in the muscle while also accepting more sugar from the blood. This is a bi-directional relationship. <laughs> this is part of why moving around is so good for your hormones and the sensitivity of those hormones. The signal to get stuff out of the blood, which is essentially what insulin does in this instance, the signal to get out of the blood is only one side of the story. The other organs, namely the muscles and brain and liver, the three musketeers of sugar, have also had better, their own, better have their own signals to accept what is being signaled to come out. So they have to have their own signal to accept stuff from the blood too, and moving around facilitates just that. The other, the other thing is that activity goes up, specifically the intensity of a given amount of activity, like how much oxygen you're consuming essentially, the nutrient requirements go up exponentially. Disproportionate. So you think twice the activity is twice the energy? No, it's actually the body becomes, uh, the efficiency goes down as a function of intensity. In other words, uh, the, more intense, the more intense the activity, the harder your body has to work to keep up uh, with what it needs to keep you moving. Now, if you work twice as hard, that just means it kind of takes more than twice the metabolic buck to keep up with the bang. There's lots of, you know, fancy biochemicals, stuff for, you know, oxidative and fermentative and glycolytic and all these other funny energy system things, but that's for the birds, at least for now. Does this mean killing yourself in the gym is a good idea? No, but at first glance, it looks like a very good idea because you learn about these energy relationships and you go, oh man, if I go all out for this exercise, then my body's going to burn two and a half times more, blah, 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 blah. And people get really caught up in that stuff uh, because, you know, it, it, it gives the impression that you can get more out of doing less. When ironically enough, that's the case, but doing less in other, it's about doing less in other ways. And that's kind of what this is about. Because killing yourself in the gym, it does, it does just that. You lose out on the benefits of being active. <laughs> Why? Because you took working out, you took your exercising too seriously. 
And now you lose that on the benefits of being active. When you look at things practically, instead of pedantically, where you're looking at all the textbook stuff and face value, do our little calculatory stuff and swapulations and doodads and widgets and whatever else, a lot of people will look at the science and then kill themselves in the gym and, and, and really just end up worse off than they were before because they took exercising so seriously, they get beat up and inflamed and even more fatigued. And then they're, they're, because of all this exercising, they're now essentially couch in any way, among other things. There's, there's some other fancy physiology going on over there um, with the way the body regulates being, you know, overdoing an activity. But I'm sure everybody has kind of overdone it in the gym and felt the effects of that kind of defeating the purpose, which is kind of the point, okay? Essentially, turns out being active day to day doing normal stuff on purpose and with purpose churns out a far superior result in terms of body shape and body fat than killing yourself in the gym a few times per week. Uh, because you're somehow trying to cross out the sugary sins of the past or, or gain some credit so that you can earn your sugary sins of the future. Okay, maybe you understand what it's like to beat yourself up in the gym. Maybe even tried for years and got, when all was said and done, pretty crappy results. That's the difference between exercising and being active, having an active lifestyle, doing things you like to do every day on purpose and with purpose. Okay, hopefully that makes sense. So here's what you've learned. You overfeed 2,000 people and, and what? What happens? Well, it turns out you find out pretty fast that what people think is sugar toxicity is really couch toxicity. <laughs> uh, simple and practical relationships of how body weight, sugar, food, and activity, they, they kind of practically regulate each other simplistically. Some, some, simple, some simple scientific relations there. And then a little bit of the differences between working out and being active. Talking about Sarah, Sarah Bischoff's, you know, genius, genius axiom that she came up with there, that being active really is far superior than working out. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay. So tell T. Ken what you think makes more sense to get what you want faster, healthier, safer, and to keep it. Going and working out, to exercise, or to be active, using your body on purpose and with purpose, doing fulfilling things every day. Comment which one you think is better for what you want, because it really does depend on what you want. Some things require different stuff. <laughs> you know, that's for you to decide, and TCAN's for you to help you do that, right? Thanks for learning today. Stay rational. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out!